Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, welcome back to our final segment today of the Golf Show. I'm Mike DeDurich. I'm your host. Every Saturday from 7 to 8 a.m. Um, it seemed to me that at this point as we're heading toward um, the, the big build-up toward the Masters, that this would be a good time to talk to one of the guys in our business that I respect most, um, We've been friends for a while, and, and um, we've had good conversations. Uh, Jaime Diaz from Golf Channel has, has been on the show uh, several times in the past. And, Jaime, I think the last time was you were in Scotland for the, the British Open, and uh, we had a lovely talk across the ocean. How are you? I'm good, Mike. Always enjoy being on. Thank you. Uh, nice to have you, and hopefully you're staying, uh, staying safe and uh, uh, doing well. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we're lucky. Uh, we're lucky uh, that uh, golf is can be a respite during this uh, this virus if you if you uh, you know manage it wisely. Yeah, uh, and it's crazy here. Uh, the demand for tee times is uh, pretty much unprecedented. Um, golf courses are full most of the day, um, and it's just it's something to stand back and watch. Actually, it's uh, it's been an unintended consequence uh, of uh, something that's actually been good for the game. But uh, obviously, it's a small victory in a in a in a huge battle. But uh, I think golf's going to learn a lot from this, and uh, you know. We'll all come out of it better in some way, but I think golf more uh, more obviously is is benefiting right away. So as as we head into the middle of October and we have uh, the Masters coming up next month and uh, the Women's Open is coming up in December, when you look, you know, the the catchphrase these days is when you give it the uh, thirty thousand foot look. Um, how do you think golf has done since the middle of March? How have they reacted uh, to what's going on in the world? Well, I think uh, I think they reacted with uh, appropriate seriousness. Uh, at the players, that was a very difficult decision for Jay Monahan, I think. Uh, and some people thought he waited too long to, to cancel the event. Uh, but I think subsequent events have proved he did it wisely. Um, as far as the protocols and, and the response from the tour, 
uh, you know, staff and, and how the tournaments have been run. And, uh, and the players, I think there was a blip there where they weren't taking it very seriously as far as, uh, you know, distancing and, and, and doing the, the, the wise, safe things at Hilton Head, which is a tempting place to kind of gather with a lot of people outdoors and, and indoors too. And, uh, I think Jay stepped in with some very assertive leadership and said, Hey, you know, everything is at risk here if we're not as a group committed to this. And I think since then, um, it's gone very, very well, uh, given the conditions. I mean, certainly we miss fans and, um, you know, it's not perfect, but I think of any sport, golf has been the model for how to continue. Uh, I think the NBA learned a lot from golf. Um, Obviously, golf hasn't been quite in the same kind of bubble as the NBA, but it's not a contact sport. Uh, right. But I think the fact the fact that the NBA has, you know, uh, gotten to the sixth game now of, of the finals is uh, is remarkable. Football has has had a big challenge, but I think golf's been kind of a leader. So beyond that, you know, we've had some pretty exciting stuff happen in in the game. Obviously, Bryson has opened some doors to what what's possible. Uh, to do in terms of style of play, and I think it's going to have long-lasting effects and long-lasting uh, uh, issues that I think need to be resolved. Uh, not to say there's anything wrong with what he's done. I, I think I had no, nothing but admiration and respect for the dedication and the commitment and the and the effort that he put into this, uh, and and the intelligence to apply it to to really figure out how to score lower in today's game. Uh, However, it has ramifications about the style of play going forward. So that's really been an interesting issue. Uh, what he did at Wingfoot was kind of monumental, given it yeah. given it was that golf given it was that golf course. But in general, uh, I think the recreational golfer is is really appreciating his game more, and I think other people who haven't played golf or just played it marginally are starting to understand this is a game not only just for a lifetime, but a, a game that is healthy and can be a refuge when when the world around is really uh, undergoing a lot of uh, a lot of difficulty when in reference to something you said um, maybe Jay Monahan could uh, make a trip to Nashville and hold uh, you know some some meetings and some uh, seminars with the Titans uh, as far as taking this thing seriously um, that's that's a crazy thing too um, what do you think the Masters will be like next month? You know, I think it'll be kind of a, I want to say a celebration, but I think it'll be an affirmation that, uh, you know, golf can go on and it'll be, a, I think, a higher appreciation for what the Masters means. Uh, it is obviously every year sort of the the inaugural major and the one that, you know, really gets the heart of the golf season going and, and now it's going to end it in a way I think that will be affirmative. It'll be a, you know, a, uh, a validation that golf did the right thing this year. Uh, and, and it'll, it'll be a, a way to end the season on a, I think a real, uh, uh, significant note. Uh, and I think it's going to be very interesting again, not to make this all about Bryson, but you know, and he hasn't had many really good masters yet. Uh, so I'm not saying he's the favorite necessarily because he hasn't proven really that he can uh, master that golf course like other guys with different styles of play. But 
the length he's going to be hitting the ball is going to be very intriguing. And I think Augusta in particular has the independence to make assessments about equipment and, and use their voice in a really forceful way, uh, subtly but forcefully about what is best for the game. So I think they're going to be watching very carefully and I think there will be ramifications, uh, in terms of the distance, uh, uh, controversy or distance as the USGA calls it, the Distance Insight Project, excuse me, Insights Project. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be in some ways the most interesting masters as far as the future of the game that in, in my, in my recollection, in my, in my, uh, kind of golf writing career. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I think it's going to be really consequential as far as, uh, what we think about the game going forward in 2021. The thing that, you know, intrigues me as well as what you've said is they're going to have the combination of the Shambo, you know, pulling out driver and hitting drives 360 yards, and there will be very little rough as compared to, like, the U.S. Open. So, you know, the, the possibility exists that he could go pretty low. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, I understand the the, uh, the, the sort of the the, the, nat- the natural extension of logic that 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 would that would uh, create that anticipation. It's interesting talking to Chris Como, who works with Bryson. He's really a great thinker about the game and knows the biomechanics and the science and all the latest analytics and the latest technology. So. He's a guy on the cutting edge, and he was saying uh, before Winkfoot was over that actually Bryson's style of play might give him a greater advantage when there's a lot of rough, uh, which is kind of counterintuitive, but the fact that he can get to a wedge distance off the tee uh, mm-hmm. for his approach allows him a huge advantage from rough with a wedge where a shorter hitter who's in the rough Certainly at the U.S. Open, where the fairways are narrow, they're going to be in the rough a lot, no matter how straight they are. Sure. Has a huge disadvantage with a six iron or a seven iron back there. So that's an interesting idea, and and, and it may be it may prove true, but I do think chipping and putting is still paramount at the Masters, and and distance control and shaping shots. It's an artful golf course. Yes, no question, it helps to hit it long. And when Nicholas in '65, excuse me. Uh, uh, you know, shot his 64, hitting nine irons and wedges. Everybody kind of went crazy, like this is a new game, and it was. And, and Nicholas, mm-hmm. you know, he was a young man at that yeah. point, and he his dominance really, really began right then. Uh, and then when Tiger did it in '97, same thing. So, uh, you know, wedges into the par fives. Uh, Bryson can do that quite easily. All of the course will probably play a little longer now in November than it would in April. But uh, I do think. Uh, you're right. There's a potential if he puts and chips as well as he did at Wingfoot, that he breaks the scoring record and and basically you know hits nothing but short irons and wedges into everything. And, and that will be, you know, that will be an eye opener and something as I say, uh, a lot of food for thought. And that'll just fuel this fuel this distance thing uh, even more, and um, that'll give them something to talk about until. The season gets going again in January. Um, Jaime, real quick, I, I, I got about a minute left. 
when you look at 2021, do, how much of a return to normalcy do you think is possible? Well, you know, I'm no expert, Mike. I mean, I, honestly, I think it all depends on the pandemic and how we deal with it. And uh, the sooner that gets back to where people can go outside and, and gather, then I think, you know, golf can feed off the momentum. You know, again, ironically, the momentum it built in 2020. So right. I, I think golf will do well, but only if the pandemic does well. Uh, this yeah. is unsustainable economically if it continues well into 2021, and everybody will suffer. But if they can get out of it, you know, let's hope for a virus maybe by, by spring, as Fauci was talking about. Maybe things, you know, really do uh, start to look up again. And we're going to go through some pain, but but golf has been a little bit, you know, floating above the pain, and, and maybe it can continue to. And, and by the time it gets to, you know, where things are good again, golf will be, who knows, you know, on a growth spurt, actually. Yeah. Well, Jaime, thank you for uh, spending a little bit of time with me this morning. Always a pleasure. Um, maybe we'll talk uh, when we get to, to uh, Masters Week and uh, see what, what you're seeing and, and uh, how you think it's going. Anytime, Mike. Thanks. All right. That's Jaime Diaz from the Golf Channel. And um, we've come to the end of the hour. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, hope you're going to go out and play today. It's supposed to be perfect weather. Uh, we will be back here next Saturday, 7 a.m. You have been listening to The Golf Show right here on 93.7 The Fan.